It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. When we took office in January, the Trump administration had not processed a single special immigrant visa since March of 2020 in nearly a year. So what we did when we came in was move as rapidly as possible to process as many applications as possible, as fast as possible, trimming months and months and months off of that process. Those so-called SIVs weren't processed. In fact, they weren't recorded. In fact, there was no list. But, of course, Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor to President Biden, is not taking blame. He's pointing fingers. He's great at that. Former Vice President Mike Pence has something to say about that, wrote about in the Wall Street Journal, and now wants to join us to talk about it. Mr. Vice President, great to hear from you. Uh, Great to be with you, Brian. Thanks for having me on the program and for your your clarion voice on the airwaves of America. Especially now. I mean, thank you. But it just I, I remember every step of the way for the last 20 years, the ups and downs of the Afghanistan war, the invasion, the surge, things that have happened since. And, of course, the agreement that was cut. First off, did you guys not process visas? And is that the problem and why the airport is so backed up? Well, of, of course, it's not the problem. But let me you're one of my favorite historians out there, Brian. So Thank let you. me let me push away from the table for just a second. You know, I was in Washington, D.C. on September 11th um, and um, the Biden administration's disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. It's a foreign policy humiliation, unlike anything our country has endured since the Iran hostage crisis. But I want to be clear to our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Coast Guard, and to the families of our fallen, some 2,400 Americans that were lost, 20,000 Americans wounded in Afghanistan, that that the, the uh, you know, humiliating withdrawal that's underway today, that, that complete mismanagement of the withdrawal of American forces from Afghanistan does not take anything away from the incredible service uh, that's taken place over the last 20 years. Uh, our, our armed forces took the fight to al-Qaeda uh, and to the Taliban in Afghanistan, and I believe we will mark the 20th anniversary of September 11th without another major terrorist event on American soil and, and as a direct result right. of the service and sacrifice of those who serve. So I, I think it's important that we make that clear from the outset and to all of the, our service members, you know, I've got two in active duty military in my immediate family right now. Our son is deployed. That the reality is we've got to make sure they understand that we will never forget their service or sacrifice and we'll never fail to honor it. That being said, what you're seeing in the Biden administration, I think, is just an effort to shift to shift the conversation and shift the blame from a from a, a, a you know, just an unspeakably uh, poor uh, uh, effort to withdraw troops from Afghanistan. Look, we all want our troops to come home, but not like that. Uh, And our administration, beginning in February of 2020, had reached an agreement that would provide for a gradual withdrawal if certain conditions were met by the Taliban to end all attacks on U.S. military personnel. And now we're 18 months. There hasn't been a single American casualty. In our last year in office, there was not a single American casualty. 
They had to refuse terrorists, al-Qaeda, ISIS-K, a safe harbor. And they had to agree to negotiate with Afghan leaders on creating a new government. And I, I can tell you there was healthy debate within the administration about what that would finally look like right. and, and what, uh, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, that there would be an enduring presence if the Taliban failed. Um, and I, you know, I'll always keep my opinions between me and the president at the present moment, but I, the, the president Trump always invited a healthy debate, but right. what, what the Biden administration has done in, in this case by arbitrarily announcing that they were going to bring troop levels to zero by September the 11th. They, they announced America is back. Diplomacy is back, irrespective of the situation on the ground, set this disaster in motion. And uh, I, I can tell you from a position of, of, of weakness, as opposed to our administration's position of, of strength, uh, things would have been, but, uh, I think, diametrically the opposite uh, bringing our troops home uh, with honor and not like we're seeing today. Well, a couple of things. Did they violate by taking Kabul? Was the part of the deal is they were not supposed to take Kabul, and the minute they did, if that's a violation, what would you guys have done? Well, look, when we left office, uh, the, the Afghan government and the Taliban controlled their respective territories. There were no major offensives mounted. And we only had 2,500 American troops in the country. That's the smallest number since 2001. And I, I think the reason why things would have been different, I, you know, people people ask a lot in the debate is how would it have been different? And there's, you know, the administration is very quick to want to point to the past. Well, I'll tell you the difference. The difference was strength. Uh, when when our administration negotiated the agreement with the Taliban, it was just a matter of weeks. Uh, after we had taken out Qasem Soleimani. It was just four months after we had destroyed the ISIS caliphate and taken down Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. I mean, the one thing the world knew with President Donald Trump uh, was uh, that uh, that when when he made it clear that we would use American force to defend right. America's interests, he He'd follow well, the, through on it. Well, uh, Mr. Vice President, I think uh, you're right. Somebody in Syria learned that the hard way with 58 crews. Right. But, but you know that he wanted to get I it. I tell you, Brian, yeah. I was in the Oval Office when President Trump spoke uh, to Mullah Baradar, and he made it clear at the outset of that agreement that if they broke the agreement, the consequences would be well, swift and severe. I understand and a couple of th- couple of things of Mr. Vice President. I, I on Barter in particular. On Barter in particular. did not make that clear right. and it created it created the disastrous environment we see. But today. do you think that Ambassador Kalazad did a good job? Because one of the things and he's still working, one of the things he did recommend to the president to Mike Pompeo that we get Bardor out of prison. He was an aide to Mullah Omar. We get him out of prison. He's now running things. He's the guy we gotta talk to now. He was sent he was captured by the CIA. And then he was sentenced to uh, prison for eight years, and we got him out. Do you think that was a good move? Look, I think there's an old adage in history that you you don't make peace with your allies; you make peace with your enemies. Uh, and I I I can tell you that President Trump and I were elected in 2016 on a promise of getting our troops home. But there, there's no question the American people. And not just service families like mine, but the, the American people wanted to bring our troops home. But we wanted to bring them home 
with honor. And I believe that that uh, from a position of strength, uh, demanding that the conditions be met by the Taliban, that we wouldn't be seeing what we're seeing today. Now, that being said, I, you know, that's rearview mirror stop. I think it's absolutely essential that every voice in America be a chorus to this president and to this administration uh, saying you, you've got to do whatever it takes uh, to get our American citizens home, to get our troops home safely, uh, and to bring our allies out of Afghanistan, uh, it, people that stood with our soldiers in the field, but to do that with the kind of vetting that we don't have people uh, that are slipping through the process that would, would ultimately threaten our security gotcha. and our citizens in this country. Well, now, what about the order in which you would have done this? Is it true yeah. that you were going to leave Bagram Air Base first as well, or were you going to keep Bagram Air Base and not use, and not use Kabul Airport to get citizens out, let alone military, but citizens out, or out the people well, I, that we want yeah. out, like our, the, the people that helped us? Well, what I, what I can tell you is what, you know, what President Trump said a week ago, which was the logical way to do this would be to bring our citizens out first. Uh, to help our allies come out while we still had a force presence on the ground. But, you know, what was really lacking in this case was less about logistics than it was about a credible threat of the use of force. I mean, whether it be 58 cruise missiles into Syria, whether it be taking down ISIS, as our military forces did at the direction of, of the commander in chief, uh, taking down Baghdadi, using force uh, to take down Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, what the Taliban knew with our administration uh, was that we would use force to prosecute America's can you name, uh, interest Mr. Vice President, can you name the violations in Afghanistan. Right. Can you name the violations of your agreement that would have led to military action? Uh, number one, they never denounced al-Qaeda. And al-Qaeda's got a presence in this new government through the Akani network that we know of. Number two is they weren't supposed to take Kabul. They were supposed to go, agree to a coalition government. But right. when you said when the agreement was done, it wasn't you directly, but it was more, um, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the secretary of state. But when the agreement was done, the word was uh, there was going to be a coalition government. But when the agreement was actually uh, signed, if any violation happened, there'll be a military strike against them. But you guys were going to be out in May. If you guys were out in May, how would things have been different? Because one of the things you did is don't attack our guys. But they picked up the pace on attacking the Afghans. A lot of people think that dispirited them. Well, I think the difference was strength. I think the difference was with, with President Trump in the White House and our team on the ground. Uh, we cre When we left office, there was... Uh, essentially a stable environment, a year of no American casualties. And as I said, the Taliban and the Afghan government were in their respective territories with no major offensives. And the, the one thing I am absolutely confident of is that had we been, you know, had we been in office during this withdrawal, that we would have <clears throat> ensured that those conditions were met. And if they weren't met, uh, that we would uh, we would follow through on the use of force, and that we would just an attack accordingly, in in a manner that put American lives first and the security of our nation first. I have no doubt whatsoever that you would not have seen uh, the uh, Taliban march into Mazar al Sharif 
without consequence, you would not have seen the Taliban march into uh, Kabul. And now here we sit with the Taliban in the last 24 hours, um, you know, making threats if we don't keep to the August 31 deadline. You know, we, we shouldn't be uh, we shouldn't be taking orders from the. The Taliban. We should tell them we're, we're going to we're going to be out when it's done. We're going to be out when when American citizens are out, American troops are out, and uh, and all of those uh, uh, brave Afghani's that stood with and assisted uh, our effort uh, to uh, uh, defend our freedom uh, in that war torn land would, uh, have been given safe passage out you- of the country. Mr. Vice President, would you allow our 5,800 military members to leave the airport and retrieve American citizens and allied and allies of ours? Well, of course. Look, we we have the, and and this is this is uh, this is owing in part to our administration. We saw the largest increase in investment in our national defense since the days of Ronald Reagan, Brian. You know that. I mean, our our armed forces demonstrated. In, in Iraq and Syria, that uh, when they're given a mission and they're given the freedom to prosecute that mission, uh, there is there's no force in the world that can resist them. And the very idea that uh, the armed forces of the United States um, uh, would would uh, hesitate uh, to take such action as necessary to uh, uh, secure safe passage for Americans uh, out of Afghanistan is. It's anathema to me and to any American. We did, we ought to do what we need to do. We can do it. Our military is more than capable, uh, and uh, and and we ought to tell the Taliban when we're done, uh, and not not be listening to them dictating timetables. Well, they did. Um, would you take people. back? You know, Jennifer Griffin asked John Kirby. You know, why don't you take Bagram Air Base back? They have two airfields. It's much better equipped. It's much more secure, and you could be able to get more flights in and out. Uh, and he basically said, we don't want a Monday morning quarterback. Right now, Vice President Pence, and you're always, you're always, always considered a presidential uh, contender in the next cycle in 2024. Would you do that? Would you take back Bagram Air Base? Well, I can tell you, I wouldn't have given it up, Brian. I, I've been to Bagram Air Force Base uh, at least a half a dozen times over my course, uh, the course of my career in the Congress and as governor and as is your vice president. And the very idea that we abandoned Bagram and now have relegated the withdrawal effort to a civilian airport with one runway is, for me personally, is just incomprehensible. And I, I don't believe our administration would have done that. I, uh, I believe the success we achieved uh, in taking down the ISIS caliphate um, was evidence of, yeah. of having a president that gives our military a mission and tells them, go and get it done, and is willing to adjust along the way to allow them to accomplish their mission. And so uh, absolutely. My my bottom line is, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I love your history books, Brian. Thank you. You remember the, you remember the Battle of the Bulge uh, when German forces issued yep. some sort of ultimatum to um, a U.S. Army general at the Battle of the Bulge? Um, and he simply wrote back one word: nuts. He, he told him. He told him to get lost. Uh, he dug in, and I, I think we ought to make it very clear to the Taliban that we're going to be there 
uh, and and we're going to take such actions as necessary to defend our citizens, gotcha. defend our troops, uh, and defend our allies in the region. And, Mr. Vice President, I know you're a radio guy, uh, too, so you understand i got 45 seconds left. But how do you feel about the president not committing to running with you again for reelection? Look, all my focus actually is, is, on, uh, is on 2022. You know, the president and I have talked many times uh, since the inauguration, and um, uh, I know he feels the very same way. When you look at the radical left agenda being advanced, I mean, you know, a crisis on the border, a crisis in this disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal, inflation on the rise, a plan for some $5 trillion in big government socialist spending, we have got to right. win the Congress back. Uh, and we've got to support conservatives running for governor uh, around the country. I was on the stump just last week uh, with our great candidate in Virginia. And I I will tell you that uh, uh, all of my energy, all of my focus is going to be on 2022. Uh, we win back. Uh, and Capitol then we'll Hill. talk. We win back the Congress yeah. and then 2024 will win back America. All right. Well, you did a great job as vice president. It'd be crazy not to run with you. That's just my opinion. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Vice President, thanks so much, Mike Pence. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.